This is the Horse Radio Network. Everybody fails, even the pros. This week, we're reminiscing on our biggest mess-ups and what we learned from them. Georgina Bloomberg joins us to talk about how she balances horse sport and rescuing animals while living in the Big Apple. We ask her all the important questions about her furry friends. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to Happy, to Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 56 of Heels Down Happy Hour. This episode is brought to you by Arena Saddles. Beautifully styled with meticulous attention to detail, you will turn heads in any arena while being confident that your saddle is comfortable for you and your horse. Arena saddles are available in jumping, dressage, and all-purpose styles and are priced under $1,500. Find out more at arenasaddles.com. Oh my gosh, guys. So I saw this delicious drink in our Facebook group. Thanks to Marlene, who shared it, who used her own peaches to create it. But Jess, you've got all the details, right? Yeah, it sounds excellent. It's a rosemary peach maple leaf cocktail. And what she did is she muddled together a bunch of peaches, rosemary, maple syrup, lemon juice, rye, and salt into a measuring cup. And then you strain the mixture into a tumbler filled with ice. Press the fruit pulp into get it all like mixed up and get the good stuff. And you garnish it with peach slices and a rosemary sprig. And it just sounds like, and you can also add some like soda water or club soda or something. Um, so, but basically it sounds really light for the summertime. And all you really need is like a few of homegrown peaches like Marlene, which would be awesome. And then um, she uses about three fourths of a cup of lightly packed rosemary leaves. And then she uses half a cup of maple syrup and half a cup of water with just a little bit of lemon juice and eight ounces of rye. So it sounds good. Sounds awesome. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah I might even make this yeah. one, even though it has prep right? <laughs> It sounds so good. It just sounds light with all the, like, between the, like, basically the rosemary and the peach. Sounds like a great kind of, like, light fall kind of drink. For sure. Hey, guess where I am? Not America. (laughs) Not America. Yep. No, we just got here um, a couple days ago. We are in England over for Burley because Doug is riding Van Diver. So we're super, super excited. How did it go so far? The prep of getting him there, everybody getting into town? It was, it's really good. Like we, I know I've talked about this before, but we use uh, Horse Flight, which is basically a travel agent for the horses. And they arrange all the travel for him, all the travel for Courtney, basically from when we leave the farm, they tell us where they're going, they keep in communication, and then they hire like ground services for him to get from the airport. So we got really lucky. There was a flight from Huntsville, Alabama to Stansted. So he didn't have to go. Most of the time you fly out of Miami, Chicago, or or JFK. And a lot of times you'll go into Amsterdam and then they have to ferry over from Amsterdam. And it just adds a lot of time. So we were really lucky that we found this flight that basically put him from Huntsville straight to Stansted. And then he only had to go like three hours north to Burley. So he went straight to the venue. Wow. That sounds great. And he's settling in great and everything looks good at the venue. Yeah. So like Doug's flat, he's like gone on a couple of flats and he looks good. And then he actually went and cantered up the hill. He was um, like, there's a long hill that you can kind of gallop up and everything. And he looked great. And then he was coming back towards the barns and 
on Tuesday, all the horses were starting to arrive. He got here Saturday and kind of settled in, but we were there and not very many people were there. And so Courtney and I happened to see this gate open and Doug's like, how do I go hacking? And she's like, oh, that gate's open. That's how you get down to the Burley house. Like you can go see it on Quinn and everything. And he's like, great. So he goes down there. And before he's even back here, he's got a picture on Instagram of him in front of the Burley house. And we're like, who took the picture of him? We're like, did you just ask like some random person on the side? Like, Hey, sorry, can you take a picture of me and my horse? But apparently he swears it was a crossing guard that wanted to take his picture. We'll probably never know the answer, but that's what was (laughs) happening. But so anyways, he's coming back over and he calls us and he's like, guys, the gate I left off of is padlocked and I can't get in. He was (laughs) locked out of the compound for stabling. And apparently the gate was only open for like, two minutes like no one knows when it opened but they're like he's not supposed to be down that gate like you have to and he could go back by the burley house but he needed to go the long way he took the shortcut and they're like you have to go walk down the road down by the tray fair he said he like i'm not even sure he came back the right way but he did make it back and that was it was priceless but so he saw all of burley on the horse the first couple times so like it's we're still adventuring and the the trade fair here is incredible. It's like some of the best shopping. So I can't wait to like really get in there and shop all weekend and everything. So we're super excited. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see all your photos. Oh, I'll post it on because I think I'm going to like get on and I'll post between the heels down and my personal thing. If you guys don't follow my Instagram or Doug's Instagram account, but like it's Jeff Ant, my maiden name. You guys will post tons of pictures and I'll make sure I'll tag heels down in it and everything because it's going to be fun. And I... I've been here once before just to watch, but it is, I can't even describe to you the cross country. Like we get to go walk it tomorrow and everything. And I am so excited because some of the things are huge. Like the leaf pit, pretty sure it's taller than I am. Actually, I know it's taller than I am. And it's, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, they have to jump down this. So I'm really excited. I'm glad that Quinn is, you know, experienced horse that I can't wait to see them go at it. Amazing. Yeah. So we will keep you guys posted. So what do you guys have for news, Ellie? Well, I have some cool news, actually, in uh, not quite in your neck of the woods, but at least in your country (laughs) right now. So over in England, this lady named Becky um, Markilly has this super laid back Irish draft horse mare. And I guess this horse is like so chill that throughout the night, she usually just lies flat out flat out and just sleeps like through the entire night. So at 1am, this lady Becky is woken up by a whole bunch of banging and snorting coming from the barn. Um, So I guess she checked her barn cameras and the mare was like spinning around in her stall and like kicking all the walls. And so Becky and her husband went out to like see what the heck was going on. And they found these three men wearing like the full face ski masks, carrying crowbars coming out from the garden center behind their property. What? Um, yeah. Like, just like, <laughs> just hello. And I, <laughs> the article says that her husband said, y'all right, mate. <laughs> just like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. but so I guess the men just apologized and said they were looking for like ATV quad trails. So they left, but they that called the police and everything. Sketchy. Yeah, yeah no, that's I'm not sure, sure that's a really good excuse. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So they called the police and I like, told them everything. But Becky is convinced that her mayor like heard the men trying to break in and was trying to tell them. So that's really cool. And I want a guard horse now. 
Or maybe I can make a guard cat. I have enough. That's what that should be your new goal is to train the cat to be a guard cat. Yes. How would it tell me? Like <laughs> that's the question. It can scratch your face. Scratch <laughs> my face. Oh I'd my be gosh. dead before I could wake up to fix the situation. <laughs> what about I you? Just like nicely. Oh, okay. Nice scratches. I don't know. Cat scratches still scare me, even though I've like worked with them for so long. When I get them, I'm like, it's like a paper cut. So what do you have? A really cool one. Yeah. All right. So I found this story on vice.com and it was making the rounds on social media. And my favorite part of this whole article is the first sentence of the story. So I'm going to read it to you guys, which says our sad crumbling world is not worthy of Keanu Reeves. And after reading this story and watching this video of Keanu Reeves learning to ride a horse for his John Wick movie series, I totally agree with this statement. So have you guys seen this yet? Did you watch it? I have not seen it, but I need to check it out. Oh, my God. He's actually pretty good. Yeah. At least he was wearing a cross-country vest, too. Yeah. So he's wearing a cross-country vest. He's wearing a helmet. And he's, uh, he, he looks very relaxed and confident and like has a pretty good seat and he sits real tall and he's, he actually was so comfortable on a horse while, um, working on the movie set that they let him do some of the stunts, which is kind of cool. Oh, that is exciting. Oh, look at him go. I'm watching it now. (laughs) (laughs) He's so cute. I know. Isn't it cute? So if you need a good pick me up, just watch this video. It'll make you laugh. He can come ride my horses anytime. (laughs) (laughs) i won't tell matt it'll be okay oh that's funny so if you guys have not signed up for the heels down brief yet you totally should because beginning september 9th we are we are doing a fail week in the brief we asked five professional riders to share a time of when they royally messed up and they really did deliver some of these stories will make you laugh they'll make you cry but they'll also make you realize that even though you've got Olympic dreams or you've ridden across a, you know, a four-star cross-country course, these people are still human like us and they mess up. So sign up for the brief. We're going to be sharing a fail story every day beginning the week of September 9th. And you can subscribe by going to bit.ly slash HD brief. All right, guys, if you missed the announcement that Heels Down Media made about our new soap line, Soap for Dirty Equestrians, we are we have all the details you'll need because we are going to review the soap. Because Jess, you've got some, right? Well, that's what I was just about to say. You guys, I got three of the soaps already, and I cannot rave about them enough. They're so stinking cute. I first didn't even want to take off the like paper because it's so cute. You just want to like leave it in your bathroom and like make it look pretty at all times. So they come, there's six like hilarious scents that you can pick from and you can get them all packaged together in different like mix and match. You get them in packages of three. So I'll go through the list and kind of describe. I've only got three of them, but I can't wait to get the other ones. So there's stressed out Annie and that's in lavender therapy. I love that one. That actually is like our favorite so far. And then would would pick horses over you, and that's in a rose geranium. Can't talk geranium. And then barn drama detox, and that's in a dead sea mud. I really think that one's going to be interesting to try. So that's on my next to do to get list. Can't talk today, sorry guys. And then upper level goals. I have that one. That's the one I think my mom might have just stolen. But that's in (laughs) lemongrass, and it's just. It's not too powerful. And so I like that one. It's just 
subtle and that would be like my go-to one to like give somebody if you didn't know what they loved. And then you deserve this mint and peppermint. And then the one I talked about for Hudson is the equestrian trailer life and it's unscented hair and body bar. So you kind of get like an all-in-one. So you guys need to go. They're actually available. You guys can pick them out and you can mix them at yourself. You go to shop.heelsdownmag.com and they're actually coming to some tax stores. So check your local tax stores as well. Yeah, absolutely. I love the lavender one too, the stressed out Amy. My husband Alex is trying your to favorite? It is. My husband Alex is trying to steal it and use it as like his bar of soap that he brings to the gym, but it's a good one. Um <laughs> But even when okay. when they came in the mail Keep and I opened another one in. Yeah, exactly. One in there for Alex. I was like you could try the mint one. <laughs> but Yeah. <laughs> Um, even when you open the box, like when they came in the mail, like I was just struck when I opened the box, like how good they smelled, like, you know, like in, in the shipping materials, they still smelled so good. I think my mom found like the smell of them when she walked into the spare bathroom, like bedroom, not the bathroom. And she went in and she was like, what are these? And I was like, aren't they super cute? Like, you know, it was going to like give her like, oh, you know, she goes, these are like really good. She started like pitching them to me. And I was like. I already like them. Like (laughs) we talked into them, (laughs) but no, they're great. So you guys really need to go check them out. And they're also, they're vegan and cruelty free. And again, you can find them if you go to shop down dot heels down mag.com. All right, everybody. So we have a really exciting guest on the show this week. And if you don't know who Georgina Bloomberg is, you really just don't know show jumping. She's a professional based in New York City. She's represented the U.S. equestrian team at the 2015 Pan American Games, where she won a team bronze. Outside of riding, she actually is a writer. She's written young adult novels about the equestrian show circuit. And she's done some extensive, really cool animal welfare work. So, Georgina, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about it. Okay, so my first question for you is, I'm a follower of yours on Instagram, and I just, I need to know more about Ferdinand. You're, I guess he was a bull, but he's no longer a right. bull now. <laughs> now Ferdinand the steer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell me more about him. He's so cute. Um, he actually was, um, he was, he was actually born in a clinic in Thursday, but his mother was at a slaughter auction. And um, we had, we had heard about him, or sorry, we'd, we'd heard about her, um, and she was heavily pregnant. And was um, going to go to slaughter. And so we decided to rescue her. And literally the next day, she gave birth to Ferdinand. So her her name is Vera and her son's name is Ferdinand. And they now live very happily here at our farm in North Salem. Great. Okay. So is that where you're based out of most of the year, Salem? North Salem, New York. Yeah. It's, gotcha. um, it's about an hour outside of New York City. So is that where you keep your show jumpers, but then also some of your rescue animals? Yes, have actually we have um, we have a farm here where we have most of the show horses and a couple of the rescue animals running around, and then we have a separate little farm where we have a couple of retired horses. We have the cows. We have New York City carriage horse that's retired here. Um, we have two mules. We have a couple of rescue minis, but we have sort of a, a whole collection going. As the years pass, we seem to add more and more, um, and animals just start sort of coming to us through different circumstances, whether it's a rescue calling and saying that. They, you know, need to place an animal. And um, we've actually had three animals that we have here currently just appear. One is a baby deer who was actually born on the property and um, separated from, from 
his mother and he was very sick and we tried to reunite them a couple of times. But unfortunately, he was not strong enough to, to go with her and then her milk dried up. So it was not a, a situation where he was going to survive. So he currently lives here. He's going to go to a sanctuary um, in a little bit. But for right now, he's staying here. Oh, my gosh. Um, we have a, a rooster named Roger who, again, just appeared on our property in Florida. We have no idea how he got there, but he just literally walked in one day. Um, and said, I'm going to live here. So he just sort of chose us. He was definitely not an animal that we were looking for, but I'm actually very happy that it's a rooster, not a chicken, because everybody wants chickens because they obviously produce eggs, and roosters usually get killed um, right away. You know, nobody wants them um, because you only really need a rooster every once in a while to make another chicken, so the chickens can keep giving you eggs. But roosters are sort of very much something that people are always trying to place in sanctuaries because Obviously, there's no need for that most of the time. So I'm 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 very happy that that it's a rooster, not a chicken. And Aww. then we also recently a pigeon actually appeared on our property. We've named Steve, and it's very <laughs> odd. At first, we thought maybe he was a racing pigeon that got lost or injured, but um, we had him actually looked at, and he is not. He's just a normal pigeon. He hangs out outside of the house that we built for Roger. We now, of course, feed him, but um, he just spends his days at the farm in the same the same sort of area and then disappears at night and comes back. So apparently word is out in the animal kingdom that if you come to our farm, we will feed you and uh, give you a place to sleep. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I mean, obviously, you've been a lifelong animal lover, but do you remember the first animal you rescued? I do, actually. Yeah, it was my dog, Hugo, who unfortunately just, just recently passed away this summer, um, but I had him for 11 years. and. Um, he was the love of my life. He, I, I had always wanted to, to adopt a dog and I'd started looking into it and ended up at the Palm Beach Animal Care and Control and met him. And um, I had, um, you know, sort of no idea about how many amazing animals were in in a high kill shelter. And I, you know, remember the, the feeling of walking up and down the aisle, looking each dog in the eye and deciding that I needed to figure out why this was happening, you know, and um, why more people didn't know to rescue. You know, my first dog ever I bought in the pet store, two years old, and I was an animal lover. And I think back as to why I did that, and it was purely because I didn't know better. Um, and, you know, I decided that, you know, sort of getting the word out and figuring out why so many animals are ending up there was something that I was going to dedicate my life to. And that was really the moment that I left the pound with, with Hugo was when it all changed for me and when I started looking into things. And then, of course, it just developed from there. Oh, Wow. Can you just tell us a little bit more about your animal rights advocacy work then? Uh, you know, obviously, it like you just explained, it's grown from there. But do you, you kind of created your own, uh, is it a nonprofit? Did you, is there a place so no, where so people can get more information? Have our own, we don't have our, our own rescue organization. I like working with a couple of different ones. The sort of most significant is the Humane Society of the United States, which I'm on the, on the board of. But I also have been able to go on multiple different trips and animal rescue excursions with. Um, I've been able to go on puppy mill raids. I've been able to go down to Puerto Rico and help sustain neuter events. I've been able to do some some work actually in South Dakota, relocating prairie dogs to safety. I've been able to do some incredible trips with them. Um, and I'm actually also the chair of a, a sort of young, really cool group of people um, called Humane Generation, where it's just sort of like the next generation of animal lovers and animal activists. And so we we actually, we focus mostly on puppy mills, not only legislation to help close them down, but in the meantime, before we can do that, obviously creating situations where we can make, you know, the space required to keep the dogs in bigger and the number of times they can breed in a year, you know, lower and to, to help them a little bit as much as we possibly can until we can finally get puppy mills closed down. 
So we focus a lot on that because that is a huge sort of link in the chain as to why so many and dogs end up going into into pounds and getting euthanized because there's just, you know, not only do so many people have the option of going and buying a dog and then, you know, they're sick or people can't take care of them or people can, can go in and buy a dog from a pet store completely irresponsibly. But, you know, obviously also we just don't need any more dogs born. So to have these mills where the dogs are kept so horribly and the dogs are usually sick when they come out, you know, sort of producing more and more puppies, we just, we just don't need that coming into the world. And it's also incredibly inhumane for the dogs that are kept there to breed. Sure. Wow. That's amazing. Well, to kind of transition a little bit here, uh, I know New York is going to be making its debut on the Longines Global Championship Tour this year and pretty soon, next month. Yeah. Can you, yeah, can you tell me a little bit more about that, especially as someone who grew up in New York you know, and what it means to bring the championships tour to the Big Apple? Sure. It's it's incredibly exciting um, just in so many ways. I mean, for me, obviously, being born and raised in New York City and being a show jumping rider and fan, to be able to have such a high level competition come to New York City is just amazing. You know, I grew up going to the National Horse Show and was able to show there when it was in Madison Square Garden. So I got to experience that. But, you know, to have a new show jumping event come is going to be something that's exciting. And it's sort of you know, reinvigorating the excitement of show jumping in New York. We had Central Park for a little bit, which was amazing, but it was also really only one show jumping class. It wasn't as big of a horse show as, you know, we can really do here on Governor's Island where we're going to do the, the Global Champions Tour. So, you know, this is really the first time in years that you have the best riders in the world, not just, you know, in the New York area or in the country, but the, in the world coming and jumping, you know, the highest level of competition. And also it's something that I'm incredibly proud of because I'm the owner of the New York Empire, which is a really cool team that's part of the Global Champions League, which started a couple of years ago as sort of an offshoot of the Global Champions Tour in an effort to make show jumping sort of more spectator friendly and more understandable for the general public. And it's, you know, it's developed over the years and it's become something that I think is really cool and that people really like following. So it's something new and exciting and sort of what I see the future of show jumping being. It's a concept that I believed in from day one. And when the chance came to have a New York team, obviously I, I jumped at it. And this is the second year that we've had the, the New York Empire. And it's just one of those things that I'm just incredibly proud, not only to, to be the owner of it, but to be a part of and to be a rider on. Um, we have a great group of of boys and other riders on the team who I just adore. I'm so grateful to them for, you know, every show that they show up to and all the effort that they put in. And it's, you know, we have a really just cool group of people who are fun to travel the world with. Um, and I'm really excited to experience the New York one with them for the first time and to show hopefully some of the general public who will come to watch show jumping for the first time, maybe. And some of the, the local fans will get to come and see the league concept in person for the first time is something that I'm just so excited for. And so tell us a little bit about like, what's the difference and what kind of describes with the global champions tour and then what's the league. Cause you talk about being an owner and all that. And mm -hmm. so tell us a little bit about what the kind of, is there like a difference between the two? Yeah. So the global champions tour is sort of obviously like the umbrella over the global champions league. And it's, you know, sort of a normal horse show where there's individual competitions and a big grand prix for, you know, lots of money over the biggest jumps and the global champions tour itself is sort of what the, the whole tour is, but it's also refers to the main horse show that is just, you know, like any other horse show, like the Hampton Classic that we're heading to this week. And it's an individual show that leads up to the big Grand Prix. And the league started, like I said, something that they wanted to give the general public who maybe didn't understand the Grand Prix concept, 
or what a meter 45 speed class was to come in and, and to be able to pick a team and then also to be able to follow that team. You know, people love yeah. a lot of sports because you can pick a team and, you know, there's sort of something for everyone. There's always going to be a character on the team that you're maybe going to be more drawn to and a logo that you're going to recognize. Um, and it's fun to, to cheer for a team. And so that's something that, that has been growing a little bit. But the Global Champions League is basically run over two of the classes that are part of the Global Champions Tour. It's Friday and Saturday. And there's going to be two riders from each team going in each round. And it's, it's, it's very easy to follow. It's the fewest faults and the fastest time combined from both rounds over the two days. And then obviously then after that, there's, there's the big Grand Prix, which is, you know, equally exciting because, you know, you have some of the best riders in the world who are obviously aiming, aiming their best horses for that class. So it's, it's a good mix. You know, you get a little bit of the individual sport in there, but it's fun to have something different and have a, have a team. And I, I found that actually over the last, you know, the last two years, We've had the empire, and it's, it, this this concept has grown more and more. Not only is the crowd getting more into the team than even the, the individual stuff, but the riders are as well. Um, you know, the riders are are using their best horses and seeming to care even more about the team than the league, or than than, than the, the Grand Prix and then the individual results themselves, because they can see the crowd behind them and getting excited about it. And you guys have so you have trading cards that you've kind of started with this whole like league thing too. <laughs> we have we have cards that we, we try to give out to the public. You know, That's listen, I, I um I've always loved sports. Um I played a lot of different sports growing up and when I went to college I actually I, I made a point of studying a lot of different sports. I studied sports management, sports business, sports media. Um it was something that I genuinely wanted to do because it was something that I'd always loved and been good at, but I found now that I've gotten older that it that's actually definitely helped me with the riding, um, in ways to learn how to market yourself, you know, the way that it matters that you, the team colors and the logo and, you know, the little touches like that, you know, I think it's so important for, for athletes to know how to market themselves and to approach sponsors and to know how other sports work. And because our sport is sort of so, you know, unique and different, I think it's really important to look at different sports that maybe face some of the same challenges that we do in connecting to the general public, especially in the U.S., and figuring out what they do and how they do it. You know, I think a lot of a lot of sports, when you look at like NASCAR, obviously it's a car going around in a circle and, you know, but yet the actual drivers themselves are recognizable to so many people, even though most of the time when they're in competition, you never even see their face. So if they can do it, I feel like there's no reason why we can't. And I think it's really important to look at other sports and figure out what they're doing right and wrong. Absolutely. Couldn't agree. Yeah, that's with you really more. interesting. So tell us what it was like growing up in New York City. How did you even get into riding? Like with the So I'm actually half English. My my mother is English, um, and came to America right before she had my sister and she'd grown up with horses and always wanted my sister and I to, to take lessons. Um, and so when my sister started riding, I wanted to try it, because um, I wanted to do everything that she did. And so I started taking some lessons on a on a little pony at, at a local barn. And I actually did not like it when I first started. I was terrified. Um, I really didn't want to trot, definitely didn't want to canter. But I was so stubborn that I refused to stop or to give up. And, you know, it was something that, you know, I, I, I enjoyed, but I was I was scared. And then I did my first walk trot competition, actually, at Old Salem Farm when I was six years old. And I came in six out of six. And I remember hating that feeling and making a point of saying, listen, I'm going to go home and figure out how I can come to a horse show next time and win. And definitely didn't happen the next time or the time after that. But I remember the feeling of going to my first horse show and actually winning a blue ribbon and knowing that I'd had to figure out how to work for that. Um, And then being in front of a crowd and, you know, winning something was something that I just loved. I loved the idea of both. And so after that, I was really hooked. 
That's awesome. Well, Georgina, thank you so much for joining us. This has been really great. We really appreciate you coming on the show. No problem. Thank you for having me. So guys, it's fail week, like we said, and I've sure got a lot of them. Do you guys want to talk about some? Let's do it. You got a good story? Yeah. Oh, I've got one. Um, Yeah, I can't wait to hear Ellie's. Let's hear which one you picked because you said you had one that you have pretty good. I have a lot to choose from. Let's just say that. Because sometimes the elevator doesn't reach the top floor, you know what I mean? So (laughs) my, this is, okay. So this was when I was in high school. So this is a while ago. But I went to hit Saugerties for a week. And it was the second time I'd been there, right? So you get kind of cocky, right? You're like, okay, like it's not a big deal anymore. Like, I'm just going to go show and have fun. So I'm there with my trainer and she goes to ride one of the other boarders horses for a warm up in the morning. And it's like 630 in the morning. And she's like, oh, why don't you take Berkeley out and lunge him? I'm like, okay, you know. So I, I take him down to like the lunging area and it was like a ways, like we had to cross the bridge and like from the stalls and stuff. And <laughs> there's another horse lunging. So I just grabbed the other end, you know, and, and Berkeley is being so lazy. Like I couldn't, I had a whip and everything and I couldn't even get him to like canter more than like one time around me. He was like, not interested. So I said, okay, cool. You know, I guess he's done. And So we're just kind of trotting and (laughs) the other horse leaves and I didn't think it would be a problem. I was wrong. (laughs) Oh no. He trots and he like turns around and he sees that the horse is gone and he literally takes off at a dead run and I'm like not prepared. Right. I like water skied in the arena for like probably three or four strides and before like just dropping it. Cause I'm like, I'm going to fall. So after I water ski for a few strides, I just let go because I realized I'm either going to get dragged around the property or I'm just going to fall on my face. So I let go and here goes my horse off he goes. And I can hear him run back across the bridge towards the stalls. So I'm like, okay, well I'll take, you know, the shortcut where the golf carts go. So I'm running through (laughs) the run with a long dressage whip. And everybody knows what's happening because nobody just runs around with a dressage whip. And people in the golf carts are just kind of like looking at me like, oh, yeah, one of those mornings, you know. And so I'm I'm running and now I got to the other side and I can't find him. I'm like, oh, crap. Like, where the heck did my horse go? So I was like, maybe he went back to our stall. So I start going back to our stalls. But then I see this <laughs> this lady come out with this horse who looks really similar to mine, also attached to a lunch line. And she's like, does anybody know whose horse this is? Oh, no. And um, to make it better, uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Sorry, just kind of lost him, you know. Um to make it better, it was actually uh, Nona Garson, the Olympian. Oh, wow. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And um, which is kind of That's funny awesome. because I've I've clinicked with her before. So I think that after putting the two of us together, she kind of recognized and I kind of brought that up to her and she was like, OK, like that <laughs> was like great. That was embarrassing. I'm like, never probably should clinic with you again because... This is what you'll remember. 
So that was one of my more epic fails because that talk about humility on a very large platform. That was not fun. And to top it off, he twisted his shoe and then I had to pay to have the farrier take it off and put it back on. So it was just a train wreck. Yeah, but I bet you you never had that experience in the lunge arena again, right? Because you were no, prepared. No, I, I never lunged him at a show again. That's, <laughs> oh, that was no. the result. Don't <laughs> lunge. <laughs> and my trainer passed me, too, while I'm running with this lunge whip. And she goes, I don't need the lunge whip anymore, Ellie. And I said, yeah, but I need to find my horse. <laughs> and she was like, are you oh kidding gosh. me? She was like, you've got to. Uh, I was like, at least I'm not wearing anything that, like, associates me with a barn. Cause that would have been even more embarrassing, but yep. And so she said like, Oh, what happened later? And I said, I'm never lunging him again. <laughs> so I didn't for the rest of the week. I just got on and wrote him. I said, none of that. Oh, Done. so what about you guys make me feel less bad about myself? Let's hear it, Jess. Uh, well, so probably, I think it was 2012. I gone to Kentucky a couple of years prior, like I'd been there twice competing before, but the lead up, I'd always had like good preps, really good runs, like feeling confident, everything else. And, and he jumped around and he was great. But in 2012, I broke my collarbone on my show jumper. Uh, long story, but basically broke my collarbone and got sidelined for a couple of weeks. So I didn't ride anybody. And then when I came back, I came back pretty quickly so, and the doc, all under doctor's orders and all of this, but I was real fortunate. I was able to come back pretty quickly, but I was just riding him because I was like, okay, look, like it's an Olympic year, you know, we're trying to go to London, we're trying to do all this stuff. And so I fall off, um, I fall off the mare and broke my collarbone and then I'm back on in a couple of weeks, but I just want to ride my Rolex horse, that high society horse of mine. So I'm like, just concentrating on him. And that's what Jan and I have like discussed It's all a good plan. We're riding him. So I'm going to go to Carolina and the fork and then Rolex, like we always do. And so I go to Carolina and you had to drop, like you jumped up the water and then jumped back down off of it. And I just wasn't strong enough because I wasn't, I'm like usually really fit, you know, to go cross country and everything else. And he just pops me clear out of the tack. He just jumped so hard into the water. I literally like kicked me out of the tack and I land in the water and I'm like, Oh my God, uh, like no. everybody's freaking out. I've broken my collarbone. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I get up, my vest was hurting it because it was still pushing on my collarbone. So I like ripped my, ripped my vest off and everybody comes up and I'm like, no, I'm fine. And Jan's like, it's going to be fine. You've still got the fork. We'll be totally fine. Like you're good to go. So fast forward two weeks, I go to the fork and I like, whatever you do, don't fall off. And David's like, look, this needs to be a good run. Like he needs to run. Like you need to blow, like blow him out. So you need to go fast at times. Like have him one last fast run. So I was like, okay, so I'm going really fast all this. Well, at the very end of the course, at the time, I was just like, in a, he doesn't need much bit, but I had been going fast and slowing up, going fast, going slow. And so then I go, and it's at the old fork, and you go down the water. I jumped, and then I jumped the double corners like everybody was having trouble. And then my horse sees, like, finish line and, like, lowers, like, five feet on the ground and, like, just goes. And, like, pulls, I'm like, oh, this what? And, and he's big going. Like, it was supposed to be a quick trip. So I'm like, okay, well. I'll be able to get him back. Like he always comes back. So then I go to balance him while I'm late to change his balance. And I literally, that I will never do again. I'll like make sure I had plenty of correct balance, good canter before I was going to jump. And it was not a big table. Like this was, I'm talking, it was like a house. It was maybe training level. I was going advanced, maybe training level table, second to last fence. 
And he literally, like, I couldn't get him back. And I was like, oh, God. And, like, Doug goes, oh, maybe she needs to set up a little bit more. Like, he's literally, like, still just on his forehand a bit. Like, it's not shoulders are up. Like, that's not how you want to jump a jump. So, lesson number one, I needed to fix his scanner, and I needed to get that done faster or circled or something. So, I go, and I try to, like, I'm like, oh, he's fine. He's the most careful horse. So, I'm like, he's fine. Well, he just jumped a little bit out of bounds and, like, kicked his toe. He's completely fine. He does not. He catapults me out, and I fall again. And I'm like, you are kidding me. Same thing. (laughs) I'm like, fine. I'm like, okay, well, how am I going to Kentucky? Like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to prepare and everything? This is not going to go well. So long story short, I made a plan, and this is why you trust your whole team and your support and everything else. I learned that basically every prep is not always ideal. Every run of it is not always ideal. And I ended up having to go to Fairhill because for my personal, everybody else can go on like whatever, like it's not a big deal. Like everything works, like people go on falls and everything else. Like Doug popped off in the water and he'll be great this weekend. It'll be fine. But what I learned was every preparation isn't ideal and it's okay to have plans like that. So I ran just to go see the finish line because it now happened twice to me. So I was like, I need to go. They're like, just go run three fences. I was like, no, I need to see the finish flags. Like I, this never happened twice in a row. So I'm going to make sure I see the finish flags before I go to Kentucky. I go to Fairhill the week of Kentucky. Kentucky starts on like that Wednesday, that Saturday or Sunday. I was running Fairhill. I wow. ran the whole thing really slow, really slow. And I knew my horse, my horse is tough. He can run like a ton. He's like got no bottom end. So I go run Kentucky, I go run Fairhill. And then I actually... I was in the top 20 at Kentucky. So I learned that trust your system and trust like who you're by and everybody, you know, that everybody thought I'd be completely fine to do it. And they were, so it worked out, but yeah, I had a top 20 placing at Kentucky after the worst spring prep I've ever had in my life. (laughs) Wow. That must've been pretty humbling for you though, to like finish Fairhill and go to Kentucky knowing that you did the right thing for you. Right. Yeah. And you have like, and that's the thing is like, I was like, everyone's like, you can run three fences. And and for most people, that's probably all they needed to do was get the horse out and get them in front of your leg and make sure, you know, like run 10 fences or whatever. But me personally, knowing myself, I had to go do that. I know I needed to see the finish flags. And so, yeah, basically I went and had a great performance throughout the whole weekend. And like, it was some personal best. And I learned that horses are a very humbling sport and, you know, you can do some, you know, crazy stuff and then still pull through and know, and you trust your system and you trust your, your training and everything else that I was like, look, I'm completely prepared and we're good to go. And he was awesome that year. It was a hard year. That's a great story. That's a good, like, learn from, you know, learn from your mistakes, learn that not everything is going to go according to plan. I think that's great. You inspire me, Jess. Me too. Thanks. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jesse, what do you have for us? Oh, I've been thinking hard about this because I've got tons of funny ones. um, And I wrote I wrote a good funny one for Heels Down Mag. So you guys will have to read it. But Hmm, let's think. So I've got one sort of similar to yours, Jess, but on a very, very, very low end amateur level. <laughs> um, in high school, I, you know, my, my parents are great and always supported my horse habit, but you know, no, they couldn't afford to go out and buy me like a, you know, a big jumper that was going to go win on the ACE circuit. So they bought me this um, paint cross 
for $5,000 when I was like in middle school and he was green as grass, but he was just a 10 plus jumper, had a beautiful stride. Like he was definitely a diamond in the rough that my trainer saw as like, this might be a lot for your kid to, to bring along, but he's going to be a nice horse one day. So I, when I think about my fail story, I had this, you know, he was like 15, three, like this compact little jumper, but could jump the moon. And I always wanted to do the equitation and it took years and years of like this horse just dragging me around the ring and I had no breaks. And, you know, most of my lessons would, I felt bad for my friends because the lessons would just be my trainer trying to get me to get control of this horse as they sat in the middle of the arena and watched me just be dragged around. Uh, But it took years, you know, and years of falling off of jumping out of the dressage arena because I couldn't control him of, you know, it just took a long time for us to finally click and me to just log the miles. But when we did, I remember I had uh, qualified for like our like our local regional medal finals uh, on him. And that was a big day when I did. And so it was like the finals at the end of the year, I got the invitation to come back and and show and uh, we won. We won. It was crazy. My dad was there. And, you know, my dad, my parents always came to horse shows, but it was like really special that my, for some reason, my mom couldn't be there. My dad came and he got to watch me win it. And I remember I, I cried in the ring. I'm like, you know, 16, 17 years old. And that was like the biggest moment for me. But why it was special was because I had been drug around the arena for so long and jumped out of the dressage arena. And even before this horse show, in a metal class before my horse had jumped and like caught his foot, like his front foot with a boot and flipped over and fell in the middle of the arena and scared the crap out of my mom. I think that might be why she wasn't at the equitation <laughs> final that year. You know, like we just had like so many log mishaps. Um, but my trainer kept telling me like, if you want to find another horse, let me know. But I was determined. And that horse ended up being, you know, the heart horse of my life, you know, he, and then he went on to, I sold him and he taught some kids after me and he was great. But so winning that Eck medal, you know, was the result of a lot of failures, I would say. That's awesome though. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a good to feeling. Come back and say, okay, look like, to, yeah. I mean, to go and go, okay, look, this is, you learn from all the mistakes, you get better. And that's what I think most of these fail stories are is like all these people have learned from small mistakes, big mistakes, you know, things that people don't even find mistakes and then they learn and they grow and become, you know, how everybody becomes a better person is learning from mistakes. Exactly. Like sometimes you need to come out of the ring and have a good cry and like have someone give you a hug. Like, okay. Yeah. That was an epic failure for sure. But there's always another day and you definitely learn from it. Right. And how you get better is to come back and do it again. Exactly. And not let your horse go when you're lunging. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> go gallivanting around the ring oh he had a he had a great day just went for a little tour there you go so you guys know i'm at burley and everything else well one thing i am so glad that is stocked in our whole entire kit is we have we have all the different eco gold pads that i've talked much about but the biggest one actually doug went on his gallop on it and everything else but definitely will be on the horse for cross country is this cure cross country pad I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it is like the number one saddle pad used by event riders for cross country. It is great. It's got just the fact that like it can be a hot day, a cool day, whatever. It helps the horse and it's got hundred percent breathable high density foam in the seat area. So it helps the horse's back and it like just doesn't 
add all that extra bulk that you don't need. So like our saddles fit the horses. So we don't want a bunch of half pads and everything. We just want something extra. And this is what that saddle pad gives. And we are, we love it. It's awesome. So they're non-slip hyperallergenic. You guys, if we haven't talked enough about it. Go look. There's so much information online that you can get them at local tax stores, online everywhere, or you can go visit eagagold.ca and check out the line. And it's that time again. It is Rose and Thorn. Do you guys have one? I have to think about mine. I can go if you want. I can go first. Okay. Right. Just you go. I'll go first. Mine's pretty, mine's pretty easy, and I'm pretty sure anybody could guess what they are. So the rose is that we're here at Burley and we just get to do this, that it's something that we're able to do that we have the support and, you know, the sponsors and everything else that we're actually able to come as a family and do this, like Hudson's here and we get to enjoy it and I get to be here and be supportive of Doug. So it's, that's definitely my rose of this week is just the surreal part that like, you know, we ship the horse over and we get to have Doug go compete at his first early. So that is absolutely my rose. And my thorn would be that I had to ship here. So Hudson sleeps really well on the plane. And so does Doug. I didn't get as much sleep as Hudson. That child slept for like six and a half hours on the plane. Wow. And all of the whole time I'm going, man, I wish I could sleep that long on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even think if I had a bed, I could sleep that long on the plane. So, you know, like we're sitting there and it's, you know, it's fine and everything, but I'm going, man. So I just watched the movies, but that was definitely my thorn is that my child looked really comfortable, all cuddled up with his blanket and pillow and his stuffed animal. And I'm like, man, I really can't get that comfortable. And with being pregnant, I have to walk a bunch. So that was part of it too. And and I, I'm thankful I travel really well and everything else, but my thorn was just, watching him going, man, I wish I could sleep that well again. <laughs> Hudson is like the angel child. I mean, I just, I don't, you guys got so lucky. He's just the easiest, cutest kid. <laughs> I wonder I if your second he's, one I mean, is going to be as good. I'm, yeah, I'm a little scared about that. That actually might be my thorn. <laughs> he set that, the standard <laughs> pretty so high. Good, and my next one's not going to be. <laughs> I think Aww. he just set you with this impossible standard of like the way it actually is to have a child. <laughs> Not oh, that I would so know, funny. you know. <laughs> so funny. No, we are super lucky with him. Like, he's so good. Oh, All right. So, so Justine, what's yours? I guess my rose is that it is September, which means we're one month away until riding will be, like, pleasurable in Florida again. Um, it's been a really long, hot summer, and I just, I hate it so much, but finally bringing my horse out of his summer hibernation and we're getting ready. And I'm at this new barn with a great trainer. That's got me really jazzed about our show year. So that's my rose is that like, it's like all systems go, everything is working. And, um, this trainer is kicking my butt and fixing all the things that, you know, I've let lax because it's really hard to, to ride on your own for a long time, you know, especially somebody like, obviously I'm just an amateur. I'm not a pro. So, she immediately, you know, can nitpick all of the holes of things where, you know, I just get lazy and don't work on them. And I have no one to to push me to get better on those things. And it's amazing to me how many things she's fixed in such a short period of time already. But um, so I'm working hard and I'm and it makes me really excited to horse show. So that's my rose is we're um, all full, you know, full speed ahead. Everything is looking good for a good year 
And then my thorn has been um, just my anxiety over this gosh darn hurricane. Um, it's like a super monster one. It's moving super slow. Work has been super crazy because obviously, as you know, as a newspaper reporter, I can't evacuate. I'm here to ride out the storm and to write about it. And luckily, um, looks like Florida is going to be okay, but it's been super slow moving. And just every single time a storm comes, like the older I get, the more anxious I get about it, I guess. I guess because I like own stuff now, you know, when I was younger, it was like, whatever, I don't, you know, it could tear apart my apartment. I don't care. But now, <laughs> now it's, you know, it's a stressful thing. And um, gosh, you got to pray for those poor people in the Bahamas right now. But it, Florida is very lucky. We dodged a bullet. That's for sure. What about you, Ellie? All right. I think I've, I've come up with something. So my, my rose was easy. Um, knit the horse that I was training. He went home, which was kind of sad, but also like, you know, happy that he's going to go do something else. Now he's actually going to go be part of a driving team with his full brother. So I taught him the basics of like ground driving and stuff, but now he's going to like real driving school. Um, and now he's broke under saddle. So that's exciting. And now I have a new pony from them and she's a five-year-old halflinger as well. So I'm excited because this one they want me to do more English stuff with before it was mostly Western. But this one, <laughs> she's going to be fun to teach to jump and stuff uh, because she already jumped out of my pasture. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they're about five foot in the back and uh, she was out alone and she jumped out. And so I gave her a buddy. So now she has my little rescue pony out with her, which she's really excited about because he's a boy. So that's exciting. My thorn is that kind of like yours, Justine, homeownership really sucks sometimes. <laughs> it does. Um, like there are just a million things that just seem to be happening at once. Like our basement, the windows are like leaking. So when it rains, all the water is coming in. So like Matt's trying to figure out how he can like build awnings or something for the outside to kind of stop that from happening. But so now we're, we're having to clean up like this mold that's been down there because we don't go in the basement that often. So it's just every time you think something's okay, something breaks. And I know people make jokes about that with like having a farm, but it's really accurate. <laughs> so that's my thorn. All right. And we got this great mailbag from Jessica in the Facebook group that I think, Jess, you will be super helpful for her. So Jessica says, I have a super eight-year-old event mayor who is now starting training to step up to the intermediate level in October. She's in the UK. And she says that this she has a really, she has an issue with her mayor and that she's really bold. So she's stepping up from 100 to novice which i guess is the equivalent in the uk of beginner novice to prelim and she thought she would become more cautious as the jumps went up but the opposite seems to have happened so jessica wants to know if we have any tips to help reduce the number of massive leaps into combinations or water um she can currently deal with it and ride it out but she is worried that once she gets to a higher level it might make it trickier to ride specifically through combinations and water so Jess, what, what tips do you have? So, yeah, I mean, a lot of them, it's great that our horse is bold and it's wanting to go and everything, which is awesome. And it is a big step up basically to get, um, so what she's basically trying to do is she's trying to step up from like training level, not, uh, 
training level preliminary to then go all the way to intermediate. And so for us, we make sure these horses have the basics and that they do them quite often so that they kind of become like just second nature for them. So like going down a drop in the water, going over a ditch, going over, you know, things like that, that we just make them go and do it every day. So like when they're, if they're a little bit ditchy or if they're a little bit kind of head, like if they go to the water and they don't just walk off of it, we do it every day with them. So, or as often as that you can, basically, even if it's in a dressage saddle, we go make them just walk off so that they just always want to go, but without leaping into it. And then part of like with the combinations and stuff is we don't set every, we set everything kind of like when we're teaching and training and everything else. Yes, the twos and the threes and all that are set on like a normal distance, but we do set them on like a longer distance or a shorter distance. So you make sure you have that adjustability. And we do a lot of like same like kind of ground exercise, bounce exercises, stuff like that, cavalettis to make sure that they're adjustable. So when they get to that upper level, they're not then trying to, you get there, you walk it in four and a half. What do you do? Well, I don't really have that, uh, you know, adjustability and I don't have that ability. I kind of have to go direct in the four. Well, the five is the safer route. Well, all of ours, we hope that we've like given them the tool that they can do the four or the five. So if it's then a three-part combination, you can do what works best for the line and for the terrain and everything else. So we do a lot of making them add up, then go forward, take it, not by leaving out a stride, but like making sure you can do the numbers with add one and minus one. If that makes sense, kind of like with the hunters and stuff, you want to make sure for us in this country, make sure the horses have the numbers for the hunters. We want to make sure that they have all the numbers in our toolbox. So like they can go and it doesn't have to just walk in a perfect four and that that's all you can ride. So make sure going about it every day, making sure you have that adjustability and kind of I know that makes it sound simple, but the basics of it is really the hard part. If that, that makes sense. No, that makes sense to me. Hopefully Jessica will continue so. to post in the Facebook group so we can watch her progress. Yeah, ask more. Yeah, exactly. We'd love to know more. Let's see how the horse is going. Thanks for posting. And if you have a question for us that you'd like for us to uh, talk about on air, you can send us an email at hello at heelsdownmedia.com. Or you can join us in our Facebook group, which is the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. And if you want to hear more from us, please subscribe to the Heels Down Brief. You can do that by going to bit.ly slash hdbrief. And many thanks to our partners this week, which are Arena Saddles and Eagle Gold. All right, guys. Well, I think we got a cheers to Doug this week. Hopefully he has a wonderful first trip around Burley. Yeah. Yeah, Cheers to not getting stuck in different places. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And cheers, cheers that thankfully Justine's missing the hurricane that everybody else stays safe with their hurricane. So cheers everyone. Yep. Cheers. cheers. <laughs>